0: Hey, welcome back to the uh, the Aerospace Executive podcast. I am uh, I'm really happy to have my uh, my friend of five or six years, John Luzikowski, with me. John is a uh, vice president at AE Industrial Partners. Uh, AE being one of the more focused and larger private equity firms focused on aerospace. John's been there what? 5 years now, John?
1: Yeah, a little little and, over 5 years.
0: And you have seen like a, a meteoric just a meteoric rise through the uh through the business. You've done well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been been an exciting couple of years. You know, when I joined the firm, we just closed fund Two, managing around two billion and now managing about five and a half billion. And I'd say conservatively, we probably quadrupled the team here, uh, moved into a new building. Been a wild ride for the last five years. That's for sure.
0: You guys have bought, you've certainly brought on some powerhouse. You know, when I look through the, when I look through the you know, the, the the who's who of AE Industrial Partners. It's a powerhouse uh, cast of characters in there.
1: Yeah, yeah. We've, uh, you know, we've been fortunate to bring in some good operating partners, you know, strategic partners, friends of the firm. You know, I think a lot of that is really what the firm can kind of pride itself on, which is that, that family business, family roots that we have from David and Brian Rowe. You know, there's almost no one in the aerospace industry that doesn't recognize the the Roe last name, you know, given Brian's ties back to GE. And, you know, you get a lot of people that are well connected to David Rowe. And, you know, when he picks up the phone and says, look, I'm looking in this industry or looking for help here, you tend to attract a lot of, you know, really strong candidates. So it's uh, it's been good. You got to definitely have a deep bench.
0: It's been fun to watch the growth for sure. But it's been fun to watch you grow, though. You know, at the end of the day, you and I met. I think you were an engineering manager at Williams Engines five years ago, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I was, I was uh, not thinking about working at a private equity firm. I can tell you that much.
0: And some strange guy named Craig reaches out from the blue and says, "Hey, we got a good deal for you."
1: Yeah, yeah. You were, uh, you know, you. I remember you were looking at me for uh, one of our portfolio companies local out in michigan then we had our first kickoff call and then you said you know what i think you'd be a better fit for the company that owns this company (laughs) 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 not uh not the initial role and you know one thing led to another from there and uh here i am so So,
0: yeah let's talk about a little bit how you got there you got a great background talk a little bit about your background
1: yeah yeah definitely atypical for someone in my role which which can help from time to time. But, uh, yeah, I got my, you know, my mechanical engineering degree at Michigan State. You know, I grew up with basically engineers all in my family. My grandpa, you know, owned a design manufacturing engineering company Um, that kind of specialized in robotics, family business. My dad worked there. My uncle worked there. You know, I went there basically every weekend growing up. Kind of was in my blood, you can say, so got the engineering degree. Um, always had a lot of passion around aerospace, just like any kid growing up, you know, rockets, planes, helicopters, anything like that. So was fortunate enough to get a job at Williams International, you know in Metro Detroit. Um, was able to stay close to my family, which was nice. And you know, started there, first two years, did a rotational program so moved through you know different disciplines inside of williams did everything from you know finite element analysis to combustor design to r&d testing which was good cuz you get a diverse feel of you know what that company does and you, know, you kind of learn you know when you're designing parts you've through that rotation program actually worked on the manufacturing side so you have more appreciation for the tolerances you call out and, you know, how things are actually made. So finish up the rotation program and really enjoyed the R and D testing side of things inside of Williams. You know, they do a lot of developmental work, a lot of government work, work for their customers. Um, And then in that same team is also, you know, basically the FAA certification team. So you're certifying all their engines before they're actually hitting production. And that was a blast. I worked there for, you know, after that rotation program for another five years, kind of moved up. You know, helped certify a few different engines, helped integrate those engines into you know different applications with a few of our different customers. You know, some on the military side via kind of drone applications, and then also through you know international customers doing you know light military trainer jets. Uh, but what's nice about that role is you touched everything. You know, you're integrating the full engine, so. You're worried about software, you're worried about, you know, wiring harnesses, you're worrying about the physical mounts, mm-hmm. and you're kind of that that middle point between all the customers' concerns and then all the touch points over at Williams in terms of, you know, who's going to do that work or who's going to figure it out. So got to touch a lot of things. It gave me a, a really good insight into kind of not only how, you know, the engine side of things works, but also, you know, the business side. And keeping your customer happy. So through those five years, you know, I went and got my MBA at uh, University of Michigan, did that at night and at the weekends, um, which was challenging because I was working a lot of hours at Williams on everything I just kind of went through. And then, you know, you add to that, you know, leaving work, going to start class at seven or 7.30 at night, sitting through three hours of lecture, driving an hour home, you know, it made for made for some long days. It's
0: a long but, day, no. yeah. That's a long day. It's a top, and it's a great program too. So yeah, uh,
1: yeah, that's... great. I mean, fantastic school. You know, again, a little weird because I went to Michigan State for my undergrad and then Michigan for my MBA. So, you know, house divided, but ended up being great. I finished that program in 2017, and I worked for another year at Williams. You know, didn't exactly know where that was going to take me. I had a few opportunities pop up nothing really seemed to you know be a great fit and then obviously you know you reached out and you know that uh, that turned out to be a pretty pretty good opportunity that resulted in uh me coming here
0: and there you go and and now you've been you know, you, you kind of started as an associate couple of promotions but along the way you've been a big leader i mean which which you've been a big leader in AE's push into the space programs Space components, Redwire. Would you say seven or eight other companies integrated into Redwire and and beyond?
1: Yep. No, it's been good. You know, we when I joined the the firm closed fund two, so we had you know one point four billion of capital to go deploy. Kind of right around twenty eighteen. Before that, you know the firm. Focused, a, I'd say a little more in commercial aerospace. Um, we were still diversified in a few other things, but there was more concentration there. So for fun too, you know, part of that thesis was to diversify into other end markets, one of them being space. So when I came on, you know, among many of the other things that I was doing, I was tasked with, hey, go, go map out the space industry, get some info on it, prepare a presentation for the firm. Give us your view on you know where you think it would make sense for us to invest, and you know let's sit down and have that conversation. So, you know, I took with that and kind of ran with it. Obviously, I, I love the space industry. There's a ton to dig into there. Went to a couple of conferences, you know, talked to a lot of people, and uh, you know, prepared a, a whole PowerPoint presentation. Reviewed that with our investment committee and. Kind of pitched them a thesis of hey let's let's focus on kind of the critical components of the industry you know i didn't didn't want the firm to invest in one single constellation or you know one specific company or one specific type of technology. I just saw too much risk there, so I kind of pitched this idea of hey let's let's uh you know provide the picks and shovels for the gold rush you know will everyone else Go hunt for gold. We'll supply all the critical stuff that you need. So that's kind of what we went and did. The first deal that we did was a company called adcole They develop or manufacture you know sun sensors and star trackers for navigating satellites. Been around for 60 years at that point. So they had great heritage. They go on to almost every application. That kind of was our, our foundation for the Redwire thesis. And then kind of stuck to that that thesis with that platform, you know, from that on doing solar panels and flight computers and composite structures and deployable antennas, you know, things that, you know, whatever type of satellites going up or whatever, you know, venture idea that somebody has, they're basically coming back and buying all this stuff from Redwire. So, you know, as the industry grew over those, call it last four years or five years, you know, Redwire's basically been Growing at that, that same rate, if not more, so it uh, definitely worked out pretty well. We ended up taking that company public um, via SPAC about two years ago. Um, you know, now they're publicly traded, which has its own fun. And then, you know, while all that was going on, we were you know busy investing in other parts of the industry. We're the majority owner of Firefly. Which is on the launch vehicle side. They just had a successful second launch uh, almost a month ago. Now they're making great strides, and then we're the majority owner of York Space Systems. They manufacture satellite buses, so you know, think of full full satellite systems. They actually buy a lot from Redwire. Um, kind of going back to that thesis of needing those critical subsystems, and then we've invested in a you know, like I said, a probably a dozen other startup companies you know or minority investors and a few others really kind of built out a a whole portfolio now from you know subsystems to launch vehicles to satellite buses which you know for a firm like ours gives us a really good aerial view of the whole market you know where it's going where the pinch points are and that obviously helps lead to you know future investments so it's uh it's been been good been a busy five years but been been exciting on that side of it
0: no doubt i mean you, how do you yeah you see space i mean obviously you know a lot going on in space right now a lot of satellites spacex everybody knows you know spacex and blue origin kind of the the sexy shiny objects there you know but on the satellite side of the house i'm sure the constellations are not getting any unless any uh they're not decreasing in demand and As things start to move into the atmosphere, are you uh, are are you guys just seeing kind of that gold rush that you expected to see?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been really good. Um, A lot of it is government funded. You know, there's a little bit of if you you take out, you know, SpaceX, Starlink, uh, if you take out like what will be the Amazon Kuiper constellation, some of the stuff around Blue Origin, there's. There's a, a finite number of successful commercial space companies. You know, it's a harder business model to prove out than others. It's very capital intensive. You got to build all of your satellites. You got to spend a ridiculous amount to get them launched. So it's a lot of upfront cost before you're actually kind of proving out that business model. So on the commercial side, it's, it's moved slow, but we've kind of always expected that even years back. You know, eventually that market will continue to grow as as launch prices go down and down. It it makes the access to space, you know, that much easier. You know, a lot of our portfolio companies focus on the the government side, which, you know, right now a lot of that work is going through, you know, what's called the SDA. They're put up a basically a a whole plan of tranches of satellites that they want to put up into space, you know, over the next decade and support it for multiple decades. And that's generated a lot of work for for our companies, which has been really good. So, you know, it's nice having, you know, revenue coming in from the government side because it's, you know, relatively ironclad. Mm -hmm. You've You've got good contracts, good milestone payments, and that helps on the credit side. Right. So as we go to, you know, build the full capital structure for our deals, it's a lot easier to, you know, go try to get debt or go get incremental debt when you can point to, you know, large government backed constellations or programs compared to, you know, work that's being done on the commercial side where, you know, Hey, you might get a, you might be awarded a contract, but it's pending that company finalizing their funding. You know, that's, that's tough to go get tough to go get debt against that. But, you know, when you've got stuff that's backed by the government and it's already up being funded and continue to be funded, you know, it makes makes those conversations a lot easier.
0: I got to think with all the drama in the world right now, as we were sort of talking, you know, Israel, Ukraine, China, you name it. I don't think the demand for the government stuff is going down anytime soon. So you're probably in a really good spot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they say, you know, space is kind of a, uh, you know, the last frontier. If you think about, you know, land, sea and air, um, mm-hmm. space is kind of that last one and i think it's it is a contested arena and it's going to continue to be more contested as you know china and russia continue to want to push forward in space for their own reasons you know we know that their satellites are tracking our satellites they're wanting to know what we're looking at we're wanting to know what they're looking at and space is obviously you know a huge arena for them to be operating in so yeah i mean we're we're very bullish on it it, it is you know some people think You know, space is just a buzzword, and it's going to go away. It's not. It's like saying the sea is going to go away. You don't need to worry about shipbuilding. Like it's, it's here. It's the new arena that we're going to be operating in. Um, I think we're in the very, very early innings of it, which is what's exciting about you know our firm. Is again, we've we've got that little bit of an edge up on other other private equity firms, at least, just given the years of experience we have in it so far. And you know, as you extrapolate that out you know for the next couple decades i think it'll it'll give us a nice edge up so yeah i'm uh, i could be biased but i don't i don't think it's going anywhere
0: that's no i i I'm, I'm, I'm with you there it uh, yeah. i tend to be with you there let's shift back to you a little bit so obviously you know you know, william's engines engineering manager there you're lead a team of people you got the mba what was the goal when you when you went down the path you're still young mid 30s i suspect one day we'll see the john Luzikowski, you know 40 under 40 somewhere. <laughs> what it. uh yeah, you know, what was the goal when you started out? What was the, you know, you've obviously had a lot of success in private equity. What surprised you as you made the move? What, what did you find pleasantly surprising? What were the challenges you were kind of scratching your head on going, holy crap?
1: Yeah, let's see. I mean, what the originally what I made the move for, you know, I loved, loved engineering, just didn't really see the career trajectory I guess that I was you know hoping for you know you can obviously be very very successful in engineering but I just kind of at least at that time felt like I saw my next couple decades ahead of me and you know it didn't exactly line up with what I was looking for so that was that was the that was the reason behind the MBA is look let's let's go get something that will diversify myself you know prove to folks that I'm I'm not just on the engineering side I can Mm -hmm. communicate well and understand the finance side, talk the business language. You know, a lot of that I knew, but, you know, getting the MBA just kind of validates it. Right. So that was the original goal there. Then obviously with the switch to private equity, you know, I think I probably wouldn't have typically got a job at too many other private equity firms. You know, the big edge that I had with, you know, AE was the fact that they specialized in Aerospace and defense. So, you know, they looked at my resume and said, look, you know, <laughs> Dave Rowe, one of our managing partners, was like, look, I can, I can teach an engineer finance, um, but it's pretty hard to teach a finance guy engineering. Right. And that, that hit me pretty hard, right? Like all I got to do is kind of dig in here. The finance stuff is it's not by no means is it easy. And, and I'm never gonna be as good as some of my peers who, you know, have a decade of experience in finance. But you can you can commit yourself and pretty quickly learn kind of how that works and definitely learn enough to be dangerous. So, you know, my first call it 18 months here, you know, I was in the associate role. I was you know, doing what needed to be done in that job, but honestly, probably spending two to three times as much time on what I was doing just to make sure that I learned it and understood it. Cause I needed to teach myself some of this stuff, you know, and make sure I I truly got how, you know, our models work and how our finances play into the, the broader transactions that we were doing. So that coming out of the gates was by far the hardest. You know, I learned, just like in anything, I, I learned that at Ross during my MBA, but it's on, you know, it's on paper, it's through school, it's not the same thing. So doing that for real, you know, having my bosses at that time giving me tight deadlines you know i knew that that part was going to be tough but that that was by far the part that probably caught me the most off guard just having to keep up with you know the speed that this industry works at um it's a lot faster than you know my days back at williams you know we used to talk about projects on the the monthly timeline you know hey here's a here's an engine certification that we're going to do that's going to take 18 to twenty four months. You know, we close deals in sometimes as short as 45 days from meeting someone, signing a letter of engagement, working through, you know, five or six streams of diligence and then, you know, closing the deal. So it's very fast paced, which which again, that that took some took some getting used to.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's 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 not as easy. I mean, it's it's a lot of coming through books and going, all right, what are the you know, what are the hurdles here? I and mean, that's everybody thinks it's easy. Well, yeah, you know, it's it's all good. Yeah, it's 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 really easy to have a deal go south on you too if you don't. Yeah, you miss yeah. some diligence. It's really really easy to have something go south on you real quick too.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So uh, I, I take you master. You learned the Excel spreadsheet. Very, you're a master at Excel right now, right? Is that,
1: yeah, is that what you're telling yeah. me? You you learn you learn the ins and outs and how to do things quick and be efficient. So. Yeah, I got a lot more respect for that now than I used to.
0: <laughs> now, as you're coming through, are you as you're coming through balance sheets, you know, profit loss statements and balance sheets, are you comfortable with what you're looking at, or you know, do you? Oh yeah, you know, yeah,
1: yeah. No, I really am, and I think you know, one of the the thing that's nice about my background is, you know, I, I have the ability to look at the finances and kind of see through it a little more. And not just the finances, but like as I look at a whole company, yeah, you're not I'm not just looking at it from the finance side, right? You have some people that they open up a new a new investment book and skip right to the last section, which is finances because that's where they're comfortable. I've run teams, I've been inside of businesses, um, I know how a machine shop works, I know how scrap rates work. Uh, I know how engine testing goes. I know how schedules can be delayed. So, you know, as I'm meeting with management teams and talking through opportunities or talking through their own company, I I tend to pick up on a lot of things that most don't. You know, if someone's showing a, you know, miraculous recovery from, you know, their scrap costs or something over the next three months and they're, you know, hey, we're going to go from 30% scrap on this program to 5% scrap. Right. Like I'll just call that out right away. Right. So, you know, it looks good in the numbers, but, you know, I'll immediately kind of poke people on that, get the real story. And, you know, in some, you, you definitely get some, I've definitely had some managers or owners or sellers where, you know, I'll ask a couple of those questions and they'll kind of like turn their head and be like, you know, what, what'd you do before AE? Like, there's no way, there's no way you would know how to ask me that question if you were in finance. And, uh, you know, that's when I'll typically kind of reveal my background, but it, uh, you know, it it definitely is a nice, a nice, I'll call it competitive edge, you know, being able to look at the finances, look at the business as a whole, you know, kind of talk the talk with the right management teams, you know, it gives you a, a kind of a better full picture of things. So
0: now let me, you know, obviously you grew up in a family business, but then when you were in B school or somewhere between your undergrad and B school, you had your own little thing going too. Mm-hmm. You learned the entrepreneurial, you got a little bit of entrepreneurial spirit with uh, with yeah. uh, the, yeah, the, the little online marketing company.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, was, uh, I was always hungry. Um, you know, I had a couple of things going. I tried to develop an iPhone app with a couple of my, uh, you know, high school buddies, basically. And uh, that that was difficult. I mean, we were we were trying to do it inexpensively, so we were using programmers over in India. So we were, you know, designing the app, trying to help them code it with a you know ten or eleven hour time change, whatever it is between us and India. So I was up at you know one a.m., two a.m. talking to them, trying to get stuff to work. So that was that was my first thing that we tried. Didn't didn't get a ton of traction there. Yeah, then. You know, tried to build a business called Taftware where we were selling, you know, expensive kind of custom barware. So, you know, glasses, whiskey glasses, shot glasses, coasters, wine, wine corks, things like that. It was good, but again, it was, you know, I'll probably say underfunded and it was hard for us to get a bunch of traction there when some of those things cost two, $300. So but you know, it was all American made and we were proud of it. And you, you know, we learned a heck of a lot cause you're, even though it's small dollars, small problems, you're, you're still thinking through things and, you know, learning what not to do and stuff like that. So it was, it was good, you know, especially at that time, it allowed me to kind of cut my teeth on some stuff. And I'm sure that that, you know helps with what I'm doing today even if it's in a small amount or whatever it's kind of all part of that that building process
0: i was i was going to ask you you know small family business you know kind of starting your own little entrepreneurial thing did that help you make you know did that help you make the move with private equity does that help you do the due diligence on the small smaller companies that you guys are looking at versus the the folks who are inside of Honeywell or you know, oh yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah i mean the family business is kind of I almost say twofold, right? So, you know, I I grew up with, you know, my dad working for my grandpa and that, that family business dynamic. So knowing what that's like, seeing that from, you know, definitely from the inside. And then, you know, Williams is another large family business. Um, you know, Sam Williams was the founder of that business now run by Greg Williams and similar dynamic, right? Obviously much, much larger, but a family business nonetheless, or a private business nonetheless. So, you know, I obviously i, I moved up and up inside that company to appreciate the challenges, uh, appreciate, you know, it's not always as good as it looks, right? So, as I go to look at new companies, it's just like selling a house, right? You, you take pictures in the perfect light, perfect setting, perfect time of year, and you paint over the water damage, that sort of thing. You know, it, it, being inside, a family business, you know, like Williams, and knowing what it's like, you start to learn where to look for the water damage. Going back to my other example, not saying that it's always there, but you know, you you just have a little bit of an eye of, you know, you may hear something, someone may mention something, or you'll see something into the numbers, and it just it, it you know it reminds you to double click and look at that and think about that a little bit more where. You know, maybe someone who's in you know from a, a larger business or public company or something like that, where they're kind of only worried about their P and L or you know their their little cog in the bigger wheel. Um, you know, it lets you kind of think about it a little bit differently.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, look. There's a different. Yeah, you know, this is the one thing we, you know I talk about quite a bit. It's there's a huge difference between you know that that big ship captain and the tugboat captain, and understanding how the tides shift is, is a big thing. And now you guys as a fund are dealing with a lot of smaller businesses though. Yeah. I mean, when you walk in, are you, you know, and, and I know, yeah, things change. Are you generally pretty happy with the management structures that you see in there? Do you leave them in place or do you start to, you know, how do you, how do you account for and adjust for, you know, small businesses that want you want to get bigger?
1: Yeah. I mean, probably about 85% of our deals, you know, we call them proprietary deals, right? So it's, Second generation businesses, family businesses, or a management team that bought it from a previous owner but still kind of operates it themselves. So, yeah, it can be interesting sometimes because, you know, unlike a, a more mature business, you know, you may come in and, like you said, the management team's a bit shaky, or, you know, you identify one person who, you know, they're wearing five or six hats. And if that guy, you know, gets hit by a bus or wins the lottery tomorrow, right? That this this whole operation could stop. So we spend a lot of time digging in on that, making sure that the team that we're we're investing behind is is strong. And if not, you know, immediately identifying where those holes are and making sure that we you know we we bring people in. Um, obviously, we we've used you for that quite a few times. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a big part of uh, of what we do is you know mapping out the team and then. As we look to grow the investment, you know, making sure that that team is the right fit for that growth, because, you know, they may be a a good, strong team today at size X. But, you know, obviously a a lot of our strategy is to, you know, organically and inorganically grow that business. So, you know, they may be doing 20 or 50 million of revenue today, but, you know, our goal is to get that to 200 million of revenue or more. So, you know, that's pretty significant growth, especially over, you know, what can be as short as, you know, three to five years, you know, again, it's looking at that team, making sure they're capable today, but also capable of, you know, growing into a business like that, where, you know, roles start to expand and, you know, there's a lot, definitely a lot more that's, uh, that's asked to them.
0: Yep. No, it's, and, and like you said, it's hold on to your hat. Stuff moves fast. Stuff moves faster, private equity. So
1: sure does. So, yep.
0: yeah, look, it, your last thing, and we'll kind of wrap it up. Uh, you know, appreciate you being on today. You know, you're still a young guy. Yeah, you know, go back, you know, eight, 10 years, or you're you know, some people that are coming up behind you. What what advice would you give to that person who's, you know, 25, 26, 27 years old, you know, looking to grow their career?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, look, you know, do what you love is what a lot of people say, but it's true. I mean, I I truly love what I do here. It helps in every aspect, right? When you have long hours or when you're working late or when you're working on five things at once, if if it's all topics and things that you love to be doing and love to be working on it.
0: I tell the college kids that I mentor, you know, you can learn a lot reading the Wall Street Journal 20, 20 minutes a day. It doesn't take hours. Cruise some headlines, read some interesting articles, yep. learn something. It doesn't take a lot. If your boss won't send you to a conference, reach into your, you know, reach in your pocket and pull out a, a credit card and pay your own way and go meet some people. I mean, it's yeah. it's uh John. Hey, thanks for coming on. Congratulations on uh, on all you've achieved Thank at you. AE. It's been a uh, it's been a fun ride. I've loved watching it. Look forward to staying in touch. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig, at NorthStarESG.com or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pickett.